The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hey, everybody, welcome in. It is the Thursday edition of the Leach Report. John Calipari found a point guard last night. We'll talk about that. The uh, Tai Tai Washington commitment with Mike Pratt, with Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. We'll also visit with Josh Moore, who covers UK football and baseball for the Lexington Herald Leader. So that's our guest lineup for this beautiful Thursday as we roll into the Wildcat News of the Day, presented by Kentucky Beer Cheese. Tai Tai Washington is a Wildcat. A 6'3", 185-pound point guard from Arizona Compass Prep in Chandler, Arizona. Uh, You know the story. Former Creighton commit, decommitted, and uh, immediately started getting a lot of offers from top programs. Um, John Calipari released a statement about uh, Washington that said, quote, players who thrive in our culture are players who are physically tough, who have mental toughness to them, and... Uh, I like the fact that Ty Ty uh, is going to turn 20 in November, so he's a little older. Um, Calipari describes him in the statement as a combo guard, so tells you that he's uh, thinking that they could play two point guards together if they get another one. A lot of people think that's going to be severe Wheeler, so we'll see. Um, program director at Arizona Compass Prep told Ben Roberts of the Herald-Leader that Washington will love the hype at Kentucky. Quote, the stage is never too big for him. So that's certainly the mindset that you need to have when you come into this program. And uh, everybody always says they're ready for it and can handle it, but um, good, plenty of good reasons to uh, believe that it's true with uh, Ty Ty. So uh, looking forward to seeing him in action in a Kentucky Uni. Speaking of a Kentucky Uni, the uh, blue-clad Kentucky Wildcats beat Georgia 3-zip yesterday in the SEC softball tournament. Behind the pitching of Autumn Humes, who records her 20th win, third pitcher in program history, to do that. And now they will play Alabama tonight at approximately 7.30 Eastern time. And U.K. women's golf has advanced to its first NCAA tournament since 1992 after a fourth-place finish in the Columbus Regional. So congrats to them. And finally, volleyball's Madison Lilly has won the Honda Award for Volleyball first Kentucky player to win this award for her individual sports. And also the Catsbys have been presented throughout this week on the BBN Tonight Show. And if you haven't been able to catch that, you should go to UKAthletics.com and see the rundown of who the various award winners are. And hopefully, uh, almost assuredly by this time next year, we'll be back into a situation where they can get all the athletes together and have this event because they always look so sharp on the blue carpet and uh, always a fun event. Claiborne Farm presents our Triple Crown coverage again this spring, doing the usual unusually well for more than 100 years. Uh, Bob Baffert, the story came out yesterday. I I was reading it at the Pollock Report. I'm sure it's uh, probably out in some other places too. Bob Baffert had pledged to use a Kentucky veterinarian as an extra layer of oversight. He talked about that Baffert did last fall after 
some of these medication issues that he had uh, battled in 2020. But this, according to the story, never materialized. They couldn't make it work out with travel schedules and so forth. So that was something that Baffert did not follow through on that he had pledged to do. The spokeswoman for the Phipps stable says they're not running at Pimlico this weekend, but this is from a tweet because, quote, we don't feel like we're running on a level playing field. So that's obviously going to be a dominant storyline to the Preakness coverage this weekend, and we'll get into more about the uh, the race itself tomorrow. Links to the stories that we talk about each day, you can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We're coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio in Lexington. And the Leach Report continues with Mike Pratt when we come right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at TomLeachKY. We welcome in Mike Pratt to the program. You can follow him on Twitter at MikePratt22. So Cal found himself a point guard last night with Ty uh, Ty Washington signing. Mike, uh, what's your reaction to this news? Well, I had Tom been hearing that this was going to happen for a while. And, uh, of course, you don't always believe everything you hear, right? So, uh, but I, I, I had some reliable sources that, told me this was going to happen, so we're glad to see it. Um, the, uh, the next step will be the interesting one, and here's why. Calipari last year basically uh, had to play a, a freshman at the point guard, right? And, and, and really, uh, Devin Askew had some problems with all that, and then when Mitz was moved over as a, uh, as a point guard and put Askew at the wing, things ran a lot smoother at the end of the year. Now, the question is, uh, will Calipari go with a freshman point guard again? That's why I think the next move will be interesting. Um, will Mintz come back? Mintz comes back, or do they get the Wheeler kid from Georgia to be the mentor? And you can even move Washington to the wing, I read. So uh, I think the next step is every bit as interesting as it relates to Wheeler, Mintz, or anybody else. I would assume the sales pitch to Wheeler, because uh, he he has access to the Internet. He can read all this, the coverage of Ty Ty Washington, and uh, Ty Ty believes he's coming in here to be the, the starting point guard. So uh, I would assume the sales pitch to Weaver is, first, you can come in and compete with him. We don't guarantee anybody anything. Secondly, um, we can play the two of you guys together because we've shown that we will do that before, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good sell, selling point. Um, typically, it gets down, and, and of course, you've, you've just recruited two proven wing players, okay, or they've come to you through the grad transfer the transfer portal. So, you know, you've, you've pretty much got the wings um, covered, Uh just to start to practice, uh, you'll see what happens after they compete. But then the one thing that these young fellas seem to really care about the most, not all, but a lot of them, is minutes. So Wheeler's got to be asking himself, Mintz has got to be asking himself, how many minutes are there uh, for me to play? Um, Back in the day, that never was uh, an issue, minutes, because most people didn't have 
have a long bench, nor did they play their bench, okay? And that kind of grew over the last, what, 30, 40 years to where we talk about benches and guys that are reliable bench guys. And um, I, I think I, I would bet that Calipari is not going to go into the season trying to rely on a, on a proven point guard just in case the young fella's slow to pick it up. Maybe he does feel more comfortable uh, at the wing. Maybe there's an injury to one of the other players. You never know. So can you? the question is, can you, uh, can you ever have enough talent? Probably not. If you don't have enough, enough talent, you have to have the right blend and then be really lucky nobody gets hurt. A couple of things off the stories of Ty Ty last night. First, I like the fact that he's going to be 20 in November, so he's a, a little older. He's not a guy who's you know trying to reclassify and maybe he's still 17 or 18 years old. So he comes in a little older. And uh, I thought it was interesting. Cal talked about things like uh, being physically tough and needing players who have a mental toughness to them to succeed here. And I thought that was interesting juxtaposed against him using the word fragile more than once last season. Yeah, um, and, and I do agree with you. The age of this young fella, I think, might make a difference versus a 17- or 18-year-old. Um, we saw what happened last year uh, as far as um, when the team got off to a 1-6 and six start. I think that rocked everybody's boat and, and sunk a few along the way, right? Uh, and right. I think that what he might have been referring to, Tom, is that, look, you've got to be mentally and physically tough to, to ride through the choppy waters. In, in that case of a one-and-six start, man, your boat was sinking, right? I mean, <laughs> the boat was going down, and, and I I think that for whatever the reason, by what he said, he didn't think there was enough uh, mental and physical toughness on the team last year to ride through those uh, bumps in the road, um, and, and he voiced that opinion. So was Sheboy inside? and maybe some of the other guys getting stronger uh, over the spring and summer working with with Rob Harris. He'll get some of that toughness back. But mental toughness, you know, I think you've got to have that in you. I really do. I think that now maybe it's in you and hasn't been brought out. I don't know. But some guys have it right from Jump Street. I mean, they've got it and they show it. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, Cal's... uh, been shown to be very adept at uh, managing personalities for the most part. Again, everything's you can look at last season that if you look at his his time here and his entire career is is an outlier. So you you look at what he has historically done. It's it you know that's going to be put to the test again and in a little different way. It's not all young guys, uh, but you've got uh, you know he likes to ideally play seven to eight guys in a rotation and he's going to have more likely have more available to him than that that are you know capable of of playing at this level so that's going to be interesting to see how that gets managed absolutely that might be you hit the nail on the head when it all the dust settles that might be one of the most interesting uh storylines of the year uh well you know, he's had uh, some teams where he did go 10 deep, okay? Um, back when they had the, um, the the system where they moved five or four in and five and four out, guys can accept that if you're winning, okay? 
And so if you're winning, you can do some things. Guys are more receptive to them. Um, if you, everybody's happier, you can do more things with your lineup uh, and with your uh, the way you play the game, the changes you can make in, in style uh, in, a, in a half or from game to game. Uh, when you play seven or eight guys, I know that's ideal, and maybe that works a lot, no question. It does, but, man, when you've got some guys with experience and then some uh, couple young guys uh, put in there, you've you got to figure out a way to give them some playing time. Um, so that will be that's one of the great stories, I think, long-term about this season next year. I was saying yesterday that, if you're Calipari and the staff, you can point to a guy like Michael Mulder uh, and say, "Look, here's a player who uh, was not a didn't get a major minutes here, and but benefited from the experience, the competition, uh, learning how to be a pro, all those kinds of things that you would say to get to the point where he is now secured a spot with Golden State." Yeah, he's uh, he, he's going to be on that roster again next year, and uh, obviously when uh, they get those the injured players players back, um, it, it might change his minutes. But he's got a contract; he's making money, and he's a professional basketball player. So uh, that's different. With only four four hundred and some jobs, Tom, that's different than most of the people out there, right? Right. Yeah you you want to point to. You know Devin Booker and um, those those guys and uh, Julius and Quick, uh, but there's the main thing is to get in the league and get the the steady check. And you know Mulder's a guy you certainly can point to and and say, look, just trust me on this. Practice hard, fight for your minutes, and you'll benefit from the experience. However, it plays out in this season, you'll benefit from it long term. Well, I think a lot of teams that have had Kentucky players under Calipari, they, they really have uh, um, the work ethic these guys put in. Okay, what what is uh, taught to them and how they're pushed at Kentucky. I've had a lot of people say that to me uh, out of the pro ranks, and, and I think that's evident. Um, it's been written. So you sit in there, and Tyler Eulis got, what, a year and a half, two years, and no one, everybody thought he was too small to play at Kentucky. He ends up playing at Year, year and a half, of, and he's still playing someplace, uh, making money. Winyan Gabriel now, he spent time with a bunch of different teams down in the G League, and he's still, he's still in the league, and people said all he could do was shoot. I can't do you it. Know, too skinny, no ball handling, yada, yada. He, he's still making a living. And if that's your goal, uh, your goal shouldn't be to be LeBron James, your goal or Michael Jordan. Your, your goal should be able to should be to play in the league, cash a check, and, and learn from all that. Um, you know, and I think these guys are, and to your point, these guys may have at one point in their uh, career had limited minutes in Kentucky. Mike Pratt is uh, at Mike Pratt 22 on Twitter. He joins us on Thursdays. Thanks, sir. All right, buddy. See you. The NBA playoffs will be rolling by, or about to start anyway, by next week when we chat with Mike. So we'll Talk about some of the Kentucky guys. Uh, Tyler Hero, as he has uh, come back from the injured list uh, with uh, some nice numbers down in Miami. So that's good to see. We'll talk with Justin Roller from Cats Illustrated when the Leach Report continues.
Next up on this Thursday edition of the Leach Report, Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. And obviously we'll start with the Ty Ty Washington story. Justin, um, is he exactly what Calipari needed? I, I mean, I think there were a number of directions he could have gone with it. It just depends on, you know, which of the available point guards that they, they wanted or could have gotten. He's obviously more of a scoring guard, a combo guard, as Calipari talked about him, somebody who can score from all three levels and has a really polished and refined shot, but maybe hasn't been as much of a creator or distributor for others as some other players. But I think the consensus is that he has that latent potential in him, but it would make sense if, if they're okay being a very deep team to add another more traditional point guard that gets to the rim and, and finds others, kind of like Severe Wheeler, that we've, that we've talked about. And is the feeling still that he's likely to commit to Kentucky here soon? I think so. I think so. I mean, it's not open shut, but it seems to be moving that direction. David Sisk said that in the last night, I think he said it would happen in the next 48 hours. So it'll be interesting to see what's going through his head as he watches another point guard commit to Kentucky, and he's transferring possibly to Kentucky. <clears throat> that would say he's obviously not afraid of competition. Yeah, we want to. Uh, we're uh, coming up on the bottom of the hour break, so we'll uh, we'll actually get into that topic uh, coming out of the the bottom of the hour because I think it's an an interesting one we're just talking about with Mike Pratt. But as let's say they had a, a veteran point guard, Wheeler or Mintz comes back, is this a a final four roster that Calipari has built? Well, I mean, I think it's a roster that doesn't have any holes. It addressed all the issues from a year ago. I know John Ross, Rothstein has them at twenty one after the Washington announcement, and I'm sure Kentucky fans are going to take some issue with that. But I think there's a legitimate question about, you know, what's Damian Collins going to be as a freshman? What's Oscar Shibway going to be compared to his last year at West Virginia or his first year? How ready is Ty Ty going to be right off the shoot? You know, we know more about, like, the shooters, Grady and Frederick, but there's still enough questions that I think there's, there's room for people to disagree with in that top 20 or so. Kentucky's always been penciled in since Cal's been here, top five or top ten, with questions coming into every year. I think just after what happened last year, I tend to think the the projections will be more realistic relative to the you know experience or the uh, the chemistry until it's demonstrated. So I think they'll probably end up uh, being uh, ranked more in that level teens to the low twenties in the preseason than they have been in the past. We'll continue with Justin Rowland when we come right back on the Leach Report. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Second half of The Leach Report for a Thursday as we come to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio here in Lexington. And we're chatting with Justin Rowland. You can read his coverage and his teams at CatsIllustrated.com. On Twitter, it is at Roland Rivals. And... You look at the roster as it's constructed now, and let's say they add Wheeler or or they get Mintz back, one of those two, and uh, you we think it's probably going to be Wheeler uh, committing it next couple of days, don't know on Mintz. So let's say it's uh, Washington and Wheeler and Frederick and Allen and, and uh, Grady, uh, but guys that play the one and the two or maybe the three. And then you've got some transitional players that will be at the other end of the court working with the bigs in practice. That's Shibwe and uh, Brooks or Jackson, I think. I don't 
think it's both, um, Hopkins, uh, Collins, and Toppin. And you know, I, I know Cal was really fascinated with the the concept of a six nine guy like Toppin being able to guard out on the perimeter. So if, if Jacob can can build on his game, he's going to be hard to keep out of significant minutes just from the defensive component, if nothing else. So this is going to be really interesting to manage the minutes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so you look somebody like Lance Ware, you know, would have a lot. And Ware, I forgot to mention Lance. Yeah, to be a part of that rotation. Fortunately, it seems like he is uniquely willing to kind of grind and wait for his time. Um, you know, the question of I, I, it might be Toppin and Keon at some points, but it seems like they're kind of in a competition for who can who can catch Cal's eye the most. Um, and you would, I would probably see those minutes between those two go up and down over the course of the season. Bryce Hopkins, you know, I don't think we know how, how much time to expect from him. And then Dante Allen obviously was, you know, all everybody talked about last year. But, you know, is there as much of a need for a specialist with Frederick and Grady and Ty Ty now, you know, coming in as such, you know, accomplished shooters? I don't know. So there are a few guys who, whose minute situations are maybe a little more precarious than, than for the others, but Calipari has more options with this team on paper than he has on, on most of his recently. Uh, he is a, a guy as a coach that seems to have that, that skill that not everybody has to be able to, to manage those personalities. It's This, this to me, I'll get your take on this, is a uh, and this is where it's kind of more in Cal's wheelhouse. It becomes a lot like uh, you know an NBA uh, operation in a lot of ways. Fans may not like to hear that, but uh, there's a component of the, of the coach and his staff that you've got to be like a, an NBA general manager with this transfer deal and finding guys to fill certain roles. Uh, and then also you've got to be able to uh, convince guys to accept sometimes lesser roles than they would like uh, for the overall good with the, the promise that it could be more later. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's just – and also balancing what he's comfortable with as a coach. I think he's showing, you know, a, a measure of flexibility and adaptability with the roster that he's putting together now. But everybody knows Cal has, he likes long, athletic, defensive-oriented players. And he's bringing in Grady and Frederick to to play substantial roles on this team and to be those dead-eye shooters. You know, how, how quick of a trigger finger is he going to have going to the bench when those guys give up a couple baskets, you know? I think that's a fair open question. But, you know, it's better to have too many options than not enough. And he, he certainly has been good at managing personalities. So that's, that's not a bad problem to have. Let's shift over to football. And Kentucky loses uh, Coach Klingscale off its staff to Michigan. Um, what's uh, your reaction to that loss? That's a big loss. Yeah, I mean, when, when you looked at the staff that they had, you know, Morrow is probably always going to get the most commitments. And then it was Clink and John Sumrall. And, you know, with, with Morrow and Sumrall, and I would throw offensive line coach Eric Wolford into that mix as well. He's going to get a bunch of guys. I think Anwar Stewart, defensive line coach, is coming on pretty strong. I like what I've heard from guys talking about Liam Cohen. But Clink scale was right there at the top of, uh, you know, got, he was going out and getting some really big-time guys. And he wasn't just doing it in Michigan. He was starting to do that in Tennessee. So they're going to really be starting from scratch in those two states, but they still have a good core of coaches who who are proven recruiters compared to you know previous staffs. They lose any? Do you think they lose any commitments as a result of Coach Clink leaving? Yeah, you know, well, Destin Wade and Keaton Wade, the four-star twins from Tennessee, have said, and their mom has said that they committed to Kentucky, 
and not Clink Scale, so they're solid, and that's a really big deal. Tennessee would have tried to get them back on board, and I'm sure they still will. But the guy to watch is four-star cornerback safety Jeremiah Caldwell from Michigan. Michigan just offered him recently before Clink Scale left Kentucky, and I don't think they were going to make any headway because they had kind of burned some bridges locally with, with, with recruiting and pulling a scholarship from a kid. And Caldwell was tied in with him, and I think that soured him on it. But with Clink Scale going to Michigan now, you know, I think they, they might be able to mend that relationship, and Kentucky's going to work really hard to try to keep him from flipping, but it'll be interesting. Any thought on the favorite to replace Coach Clink Scale on the Kentucky staff? You know, I think the favorite is Jonathan Cooley, who was a former graduate assistant at Kentucky when Derek Ansley was, was in Lexington. He was very highly regarded, sharp young energetic football mind who really knows the game and communicates well with guys since he's so young and he's with the los angeles rams now so there's also the connection with cohen you know he's never run a position room because he's been a quality control assistant for the rams but he is a defensive backs coach that i think stoops has been looking at for a while as somebody he would like to bring back vince morrow was on uh, ksr yesterday he said uh, talking about this that kentucky's a uh, better program than michigan and that generated some buzz and i understand that it's you know it's michigan is uh a a, certainly a bigger name nationally uh, for people who follow college football uh, at this point um but uh and and vince uh, likes to make bold statements Uh, but you can uh, it, it is an argument that uh at least on vince's side you could say it's it's trending that way that's why michigan tried to hire vince and eventually hired coach Klingscale. Well, I will say that as of right now, Kentucky in the SEC is not in a dissimilar position compared to Michigan in the Big Ten. You know, there's still a giant stumbling block for each to get through. Kentucky and Georgia, a lot of people, can, can Kentucky score enough on Georgia to, to, yeah. get, to climb the mountain and get to Atlanta? And Michigan's, you know, huge issue is Ohio State. And so at least currently, you know, it's not a crazy thing to say. But, you know, Michigan, even if Michigan is underachieving for the next 20 years, Michigan is always going to be a program whose name kind of outstrips, you know, what, what, whatever it's doing at a moment. It's, it's a historic program. But I think it's fair to say some people feel like, why is he going into this situation where Harbaugh seems to be on the hot seat? And, you know, you're leaving a very stable situation for possibly a highly volatile one. So he must have really wanted to go to Michigan. I don't think there's anything Kentucky could have done um, because he's got a lot of ties there, a lot of connections there. Uh, but yeah, it's not it's not crazy right now. But big picture is still Michigan. I would think, and, and two things, and you know, you could uh, look at Indiana in basketball. It is still a big name, and still, you know, the, even though they haven't uh, had the the performance at the historic level for a while now, same like you know with Michigan football, but it's still a bigger name uh, just because of all the history. Uh, and so Kentucky's got more to do on the field to to um, you know, close that kind of, of a gap like people do in the Big Ten basketball with uh, Indiana, even though they might be outperforming them on the court at the moment. But with Clink, I would assume that part of the appeal is the, the chance to be a coordinator maybe as soon as next year, would you think? Yeah, that, that seems to be on the table, almost like a preferred walk-on. If you come on this year, you can work your way on the scholarship next year. Apparently they've told them you can work your way into the – co-defensive coordinator position, which is kind of what he was at Kentucky as a passing game coordinator. But, you know, John Sumrall is a possible successor to Brad White if he were to ever move on. I think it would have been a kind of co-Sumrall and Klinkscale deal. Now this is kind of Sumrall's obvious path to being a coordinator at Kentucky. Eventually it could happen. 
Um, but, you know, Clink Scale uh, is probably looking at this and thinking, the guy who was just this, this job at Michigan in this position at Michigan is now springboarded to a head coaching position at, uh, at Buffalo. And, you know, that, that's the kind of jump he could make hypothetically, and Michigan does offer that platform. Justin Rowland, thank you much. Thanks a lot. At Roland Rivals on Twitter, catsillustrated.com. We'll chat with Josh Moore when we come right back. It's the Leach Report for Thursday. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Next up on this sunny Thursday is Josh Moore from the Lexington Herald-Leader, where you can read his coverage at KentuckySports.com, of Kentucky football and baseball. And let's start with Coach Klingscale moving on to Michigan. Uh, do you think Mark Stoops is going to be able to move pretty quickly in finding a replacement? Yeah, Tom, thanks for having me. I, I think so. I, 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 You know, just reading, you know, when you read about it and, and see the, the job that, that Steve – you know, Quinn left for, um, you know, it's something he's, he's been involved with before. I think Michigan and him have discussed, um, prior to this, you know, had some, some talks, um, prior to this year. Um, you know, it's close to home. I think it's something that they were probably, you know, at least knew that it's in the back of their mind, something that could happen eventually. So, you know, you, you look at, you know, the options out there and maybe people, you know, and people you, you, you stay in contact with and, and I got a feeling they have a pretty good idea of, of who they might want to, to go after or the types of people they'll want to go after. I think it'll be somebody, um, you know, obviously you lost a lot, you, you lose a lot recruiting wise, uh, with the Queen scale going. Um, as far as you, the areas you're recruiting, I'm not saying they can't replace him as a recruiter, but, you know, it's just something you're just going to bring in somebody new and kind of reload. And that's something they've been able to, you know, at least, you know, you knock on wood, they, they've shown they can, um, you know, the last few assistant hires have been pretty strong, so you just want to see that continue if you're a Kentucky football fan. Whether it's intel that he gets from friends in the coaching profession or his own uh, instincts, uh, Stoop has been Stoops has been able to identify uh, guys who are really good on the recruiting trail. You know, Klingscale, I don't know how, how much of a rep he had for that when he came here, but he certainly has emerged in his time at Kentucky as an outstanding recruiter as well as an on-the-field coach. Yeah, and I think you um, – and you see it in, in a guy like, you know, John Summerall too. And, mm-hmm. and I think what, what, what really, you know, sort of the – you know, they're all different guys. Or they come, you know, different backgrounds, different, um, you know, different positions when, when they played football themselves. and. But, but I think the commonality is there's that, I um, mean, you know, that's kind of cliche, but that sort of family kind of, you know, element that kind of runs through everybody, um, I think. And, you know, it's like playing Cuddy, you know, <laughs> several kids and uh, just, a, you know, family kind of guy. And I think some are all the same way. And, he, and you know, he has, the, you know, the link of being here or being, you know, played here. Um, so I think, you, you know, you just want somebody that can kind of mesh well with, with the whole, you know, staff and and I will say this: if you're, you know, I've always been a person myself. Like, if, if major changes are happening, like if I have one major change happening, say like I buy a house or something, um, you know, well, why not get married that year too? You know, <laughs> so it's just that kind of uh, might as well just shake everything up at one time. Um, you know, some continuity is good, and if you have it at the top, obviously with Stoops and and Marrow and those guys, you know, then it's 
you know, I, I think you, you know, can, can you know, afford to, you know, make some differences as you, you know, elsewhere if you need to. And so I, I'm, that's, you know, I think <laughs> with Cohen coming in and you know, some other offensive assistants shaking up over there, um, I think that's something that, you know, you know, if you have to have one little change on the defense, um, so be it. Honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, eager to see how they, you know, who they bring in just in terms of, you know, yeah, I think his, his role initially would be more recruiting focused just because, you know, Coach Dukes is, is the secondary's guy. You know, Buffano's there too, uh, helped with that position last year, or, you know, more hands on. So I think that's something as far as on field stuff, I don't know that that'll be as big of a concern. Not to take anything away from Clean because I, I think he's a great coach. After the quarterback position, which is going to be the biggest focus leading up to the, the start of the 2021 football season, what are the other biggest question marks for uh, Stoops and his staff over the course of this summer? I really feel like that linebacker spot is, I mean, they've gotten a whole lot out of very little in terms of, you know, depth um, from that position group the last couple of years, and now it's just really um, – <laughs> You know, you're really pushing it to the brink. Like you're, you're like it's almost like they're just, it's just you're, you're, you know, you're just testing the limits every year uh, as far as what you can do with the amount of bodies there. And um, you know, again, Coach Summerall, I think you'll, you know, he's a guy that really gets a lot out of these guys, and they seem to really like him. And I, I just imagine that'll be, uh, you know, the case that they'll figure it out. But you know, at some point, you really need to <laughs> stabilize that group just in terms of the turnover and. I mean, obviously, you could have never seen what happened with Chris Oates coming. That's obviously a big wrench in things. But um, then in those guys in front of them, the D-line, I think, you know, you got Josh Pascal there on the end. It's going to be someone you can really, really lean on um, just because he's so versatile and he's played so many spots in the defense and started so many games for this group and been through a lot. And I think, you know, if he's 100% healthy, he's a guy that can really be a difference maker this year. And it's hard just making that group – um, you know, something that you know, continue it, it being a, a presence there up front. And now we, you, you've got talent, and you know, especially a guy like Marco McCall, who's just real big and, and really, you know, it play has played a lot of snaps. But he's, you know, I think it's more about just the consistency of play and being able to stay out there um, for longer than a couple of you know possessions, you know, or, or snaps here and there. Um, you know, it, <laughs> there's a lot of talent. It's just a matter of figuring things out. I think those two groups, I mean, the secondary now is a little more, you know, when you, you have to shake up there on the coaching staff, it kind of maybe throws a little bit of a kink in things, but that group's so talented. I, I think, you know, I'm not so, as worried about them and being able to make the transition. You tweeted about another honor for Jagger Burton I saw this morning. Yeah, Gatorade, uh, Kentucky Gatorade Player of the Year for the sport of football. Uh, first, uh, I think he's the first Frederick Douglass kid that's actually won any Gatorade award. So, big deal. Um, you know, it's obviously, he's, he's racking up the honors here in the offseason. And, you know, great kid. I mean, just a super nice guy. I was talking, uh, texting some of his uh, high school coach, Nate McPeak, earlier. He, he, he said, you know, because they have to, like, file the submissions for this is the Gatorade stuff and those kind of things. And he said he, he wrote six pages worth of a recommendation, which, uh, you know, <laughs> that's a, you know, it just says a lot about the kind of kid he is. He's an easy, easy guy to you know root for and, and get behind. And yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I remember covering his his brother 
um, at, 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 at LCA and, and him being, you know, a year or two younger. And it's just funny, um, you know, watching these kids grow up and, 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 and thinking, uh, you know, obviously their dreams are starting to come true. And I think Jagger's a really athletic kid. I don't know how much he'll play this first year. Just he's, you know, he's, he's still got to get the muscle on and, and get that SEC body put together. But he's a, you know, he's a guy that's definitely, I think, going to be a huge, you know, huge, huge, huge piece for uh, the Kentucky football program as we uh, get into 2022 and going forward. Josh Moore from the Lexington Herald Leader. You can read him at KentuckySports.com. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Tom. Thursday edition of the Leach Report, and we will close it out when we come right back. This day in Wildcat history, 1988, was the day that Rex Chapman announced that he would be leaving Kentucky after just two seasons for the NBA and ended up being the first draft pick of the Charlotte Hornets, where Mike Pratt was an assistant coach. Uh, Happy birthdays to former Kentucky football coach Guy Morris and to former Kentucky basketball player Marion Haskins. Knox Central freshman Gavin Chadwell has a football scholarship offer from Kentucky Chadwell was the young man who was in the out, uh, most outstanding player at the 13th region tournament last season when Knox Central won its way to Rupp Arena. Uh, he did not uh, have as uh, big a game on the Rupp Arena stage as he had in those games down in uh, Corbin, but you know he's just freshman. He's got a, an incredibly uh, bright future on the basketball court, and obviously uh, Kentucky thinks on the football field as well. So he was already a guy to follow just from what he did in basketball, but now even uh, more so in football. Gavin Chadwell at Knox Central. Moorhead State has extended the contract of Preston Spradlin. It's Ben's basketball coach. who His team was picked preseason eighth in the poll and ended up winning the league tournament and punching a ticket to the NCAA tournament for the first time in, I think, about 10 years. So happy for Preston. Glad to see that news. Uh, give him a little more security. And Dwayne Casey gets contract extension from the Pistons. So happy for Dwayne that the Pistons recognize that it's going to take a while to build that thing back up, but they have a guy that's capable of doing it in uh, Dwayne Casey. And want to see him get an uh, NBA title ring as a head coach. And he has one as an assistant from when he was at Dallas. But hopefully that will happen somewhere down the road with the Pistons. That will do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast.